Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Andy and I are getting into a topic that we recently have been talking about with a colleague. Um, This colleague is a practice owner. They bought a practice a few years ago that came with a handful of toxic team members. And since then, they have worked really hard on building an intentional culture. And those toxic members have either self-ejected out of the practice or have been weeded out. And the team has been working together really well. But over the last few months, it's been creeping up on them like fog that the griping, the passive aggressive comments have seemed to be sneaking in. And um, people are having attitudes with each other. And this practice owner is wondering, I don't want to stand for this. We worked too hard for too long to build this culture. How do I hold everybody accountable and get them to change their behavior? And specifically, they are wondering, how do I address this since the whole team is involved? So let's get into this one. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and Stephanie, Bad Moon Rising God. <laughs> I see trouble on the way, Stephanie. Oh, yeah, me too. How's it How's it going over there? I. It's wet. It's really soggy. It's rained. It's been raining for four days, four oh. consecutive days. Oh, yeah. My dog is, is, is losing it. You know, he's just yep. trolling, looking for things to get into. <laughs> Uh, I called the, I called dog daycare this morning. I was like, look, can I get my dog in daycare today or tomorrow? And they were like, ah, no, (laughs) apparently dog daycares, uh, fill up real fast when there's multiple days of rain on the forecast. Yeah. And, and, and the, the lady was really nice. She was like, look, when you wake up in the morning and it's raining outside, know that our phones are blowing up. Right. <laughs> like, like, like people are calling right now. I was like, oh, I, I totally understand. People more organized than me are blowing up your phones. That's that's the take home. Oh, that's funny. So anyway, yeah, Skipper and I are, Skip. are watching watching it rain. He's but bored. Anyway. Well, you know, a little water outside didn't hurt unless he runs in the house with muddy feet after. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll definitely take it now over like thanks or over uh, like Halloween weekend. Like yeah. it can it can rain it can rain for a week and a half if we can have a dry Halloween that would that would be that would be really good. Yeah, we don't we don't generally know what that's like here in the Pacific Northwest because it almost always rains on Halloween. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. we uh we do costumes in a, a soggy proof manner. It's yeah. you, you make a you make an umbrella part of the costume. It's, I think I think that's one of the uh, diff- you know the differences in like expectation and reality. You see those memes of like you know the beautiful cake, and then the reality is the squish yes. cake. Um, the <laughs> expectation is Halloween, where people look like movie characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and reality is kids with big winter coats and jackets and yes. raincoats over top of their you know <laughs> over oh, that yes. other costume that they bought on Amazon. Yep. It's totally, it's totally true. That's one of the first uh, things is how can we make an umbrella go with this costume? And also um, how, what type of long johns can I get underneath that thing? Like that's when we're looking at, when we're looking at costumes here, because it is always cold and wet and it's like, okay. But you know, it's, it's funny because my kids have, uh, you know, I think because of that, or maybe just because we've never, um, 
but into like the trick or treating aspect of it. So we'll go out and um, we live in a neighborhood, but it's very rural where I am. And so the houses are really spread out. So our little village does a trunk or treat where all of the adults come down. It sounds super creepy, but all the adults come down with their cars and and open their trunks (laughs) and pass out candy out of the trunk of their car. But it's great because it's a central location and all the kids can come in like 15 or 20 minutes going around the circle and getting candy and talking to all the grownups. And my kids are like, let's go home and drink warm liquids and sit in front of the fire and watch a movie. Like I, I, and as a parent, sometimes I think, man, I scored. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's <laughs> My funny. friends are out there in the cold with their kids for hours. And I'm like, that does not sound like fun. <laughs> we as a people are all about efficiency. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, let's, <laughs> let's just speed this up. Like no more walking from house to house. We're going from parking spot to parking spot. It's so great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, we have got a good one today. I am excited to talk about this. Because I think that it's something that we don't we don't talk about enough. Um, and uh, I think it's a common problem in a lot of clinics. And I think, you know, as we sometimes do, this is going to be one of those episodes where people are like, are they talking about my clinic? Yeah. <laughs> because it's more common than not, which is, I think, part of why you and I want to talk about it. Yeah, definitely. This is this is super, super common. So we've got a team that is struggling. Um, it's a the conversation came about when we were talking with a practice owner and they inherited um, a team when they purchased their practice uh, a few years ago. And there were definitely some toxic employees on the team. Um, and over the last few years, they have been weeded out or have self uh, ejected <laughs> from the practice. And so uh, it feels like it's a pretty good cohesive team. It has for a while, but in the last few months, it seems like everybody, the tension's really high again. Everybody's snapping at mm-hmm. each other. People are being passive aggressive. There's eye rolling. And um, the uh, the lead technician in this practice, who was the rock star from the beginning for this practice owner is being especially bad. And the practice owner is just struggling with like, look, where did all of this negativity come from? I know we're tired. I know we're burned out. I know we're all dealing with COVID. And they were saying to us, you know, like I recognize the stress of COVID. And so I have been trying to just give everybody grace and compassion and let a lot of things go. And at the same time, at some point, everybody has to take accountability for their behavior and everybody is behaving very, very badly. And so how do I address this? Which was the the core of the conversation was the questions about like, you know, how do I talk to the team about this? How do I address it? How do I, um, you know, do I, do I have a team meeting and give them examples? Do I call the behaviors out? Do I talk to people one-on-one? What is the best way to go about approaching this? Because while I understand that people are tired and they're burned out and that we have a lot of stress, I also need people to be grownups and be accountable for bad behavior. And when it is unacceptable, how do I turn this tide? Yeah, I I, I love this question. Uh, th- this is this is my jam. I, yep. I really I like the I like these <laughs> I like these challenges. So yeah, so uh, yeah, great. This is super common, especially now. Uh, yep. People look around and we're just kind of sitting in kind of a toxic puddle. Uh, and yeah, there are people there are people who lead the charge here, right? There are. Um, Okay, so let, let's start with how this happens. Um, often, 
there's a couple things that happen for mm-hmm. for for toxic puddle right now. Usually, what happened is this has been a slow progression that sure. started a year ago when people were getting tired and frustrating and stress frustrated and stressed, and the clients have been frustrated and stressed. And I think we can all kind of agree that people are maybe not as kind as they have been in the past, and we're seeing a lot more sort of bad behavior from pet owners. And and I just let me just say that's across industries. I, I talked to a, a lady at Home Depot who talked about how clients routinely yelled at her uh, for, for having her nose sticking out of her mask, which I get, I, I, I'm not advocating for that, but nobody should yell at you. That's ridiculous, you know? And she's like, oh, if I go into the building, she said, she said, I have a breathing problem. And if I go into the building with my nose sticking out because I've been working outside in the garden section, uh, people will literally shout at me. Uh, customers, not not managers. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, "Oh man, what a what a world." Um, and so anyway, it, we're not alone in that in that in that problem. But oftentimes these things started with a little bit of eye rolling nine months ago, and then some mumbling under the breath. Uh, you know, seven months ago, mm-hmm. and then five months ago there was a uptick in sarcasm. And mm-hmm. now jump ahead and people are just generally kind of being crappy to each other and uh, complaining about everything. And it's just uh, it's just generally kind of this snowball toxic mess where mm-hmm. and it's also kind of a, a one of those problems where uh, so and so started it. And then I responded and then somebody right. else jumped in and then the first person retaliated and no one really remembers why we started picking at each other or how where this came from but mm-hmm. now it's just just where we are and trying to untangle whose fault it is is a is a, a terrible waste of time well and i think from a headspace perspective like i i think about um how easy it is to be influenced by our environment and when you think about it I, can you can you imagine a day where you walk in the clinic and when you walk in the door you're feeling fine. Like nothing's, you know, you didn't spill your coffee on yourself. You haven't had a crappy morning. Like you're just kind of having an average morning and you walk in the day and by, you know, 11 o'clock, you find yourself feeling really tense. Your shoulders are tight. You're like, everybody's driving me crazy. It's very easy to be influenced by those subtle environmental Mm -hmm. things, especially in a small, tight-knit space like a veterinary clinic. And so I think that's one of those things, you know, you talk about um, shifting baseline and we've talked about that a lot on the podcast. I'm sure we'll we'll talk about it today, but I just think this is one of those things that is very easy to your point about where did it start and how did it start? It doesn't, it doesn't always have like someone blew up and started it for the day, right? Like most mm-hmm. of the time, it is just those little subtle things that result in us, you know, by the middle of today, feeling super tense and frustrated. And then it's very easy to start snapping at each other or taking something out of context or taking something super personally and being like, well, fine, if you're going to talk to me that way, I'm going to talk to you right back. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Environment matters. It is really hard for me to feel relaxed when my bedroom and bathroom are cluttered and full of junk that should be put away. It is hard for me to be kind when my children are sniping and fighting with each yes. other. Oh um, God, it's just yes. it's, it's just very hard. <laughs> I, I don't think that's ab- I don't think that's abnormal. I, I think that that's 
I think that's true. You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of the Buddhism stuff when they talk about meditation. A lot of times they talk about controlling your environment and your space. And, yep. you know, there's a, a lot of advocating for sp- sort of cleanliness and Spartan living. And I, I think that there's something to that. You know, what what our environment is really does affect how we how we feel. We pick up on those things. So if you're if you are a leader and you've got a group that has been, you know, it's not overtly like you can't point the finger and say, one person or one behavior is causing these problems, right? To your point, trying to untangle the web of whose fault it is and where did it start is really tricky. So if you've got a team and they are all struggling and there's a variety of different naughty or passive aggressive or kind of toxic behaviors presenting in a mild way, where do you start from a headspace perspective just in terms of even addressing it, however you choose to address it? whether you're talking to people one-on-one, you're having team meeting, whatever, you have to get into a headspace to, to manage this. Where do you start with that? Yeah, I let me start by saying, first of all, I actually prefer to take on problems like this that are team problems than individual problems. And, and so the first thing I would say is when it's a team problem, that's great because I have a lot more tools in my tool belt. I can talk about things without putting individuals necessarily on the spot. I can use social proof and collaboration and teamwork and all of these things to try to help leverage individuals to get them where I want them to be. Mm-hmm. It's really hard when the rest of the team is perfectly behaved and you have one person and then I have to go work with this one person and it is a very direct sort of confrontational approach. I just feel like working with the team as a whole is is so much easier and better. That said, it is not unheard of that we end up with a team getting back on board and then there's one person who's not getting on board yeah. and we have to and we have to coach that mm-hmm. person. But mm-hmm. at least from the getting started part, I, I generally prefer these things. From a headspace standpoint, the first thing you have to do is jettison the idea of fault, responsibility, uh, um, punishment, things like that. Look, the, the horse is out of the barn. You know, at this point, everybody's everybody's bad or, or enough people are, are, are <laughs> exhibiting these behaviors that trying to figure out who did it is just, just let that go. Just for your, give yourself a gift of forgiving the team and forgiving yourself and just starting over. And yeah. so I, I, that's, that's the first thing you gotta do is just forgive yourself, forgive them, just start over, give up on, on justice and punishment and just say, you know what? I accept that this is where we are right now. And how do we go forward from here? Because I just want to get back to working in a place that is really a good place to work. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the first one. Um, just put down justice, put down righteousness, and just put down the flaming, raging sort of justice for God's sakes, accept where we are. And then let's just commit to making the future better. And that brings me to the second thing I always talk about in Headspace. This is very much a future tense problem. Yeah. Do do not get caught up into what happened yesterday, what happened last week. This is 100% about what's going to happen next week and the week after that. Yeah. And so the more that I focus on, look, I look, we're all here. And that that's the last thing I would say is this is a great place where you can really this is really a a a pass to unleash the power of vulnerability in a big way and just to say I did it. I have not been my best. I have not communicated my best. I have not been my happy chipper self. And I own that. And I am a part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And I want to fix this. And I need you guys to help me. And let's fix this because we're a team. Mm -hmm. 
And now I'm leading from the middle, which is where I really like to be. It makes me super happy. Um, it's not me preaching at someone to get their act together. I am a sinner among sinners trying to get trying to get things turned around. And, and um, yeah, it just I, I feel like it works so much better that way. So just just lean into the vulnerability and, and own as much of this as you can. And, and now I feel like we're, we're in a pretty good place to start working. Well, and I think one of the other things that you have to put down for a second, not, not forever, but for a second is, is the accountability. And one of the questions that was asked was like, you know, how, how do I, I, people need to be responsible and take accountability for their own behavior in, in my team. And I respect the hell out of that because I don't want to work in a team where people are not free and safe to take accountability, to admit when they make mistakes, own up to them and fix them moving forward, right? Like that's the ultimate team environment for me. And at the same time, if you're in a position where this is impacting everyone, putting down that accountability to your point, lets it be safe to say, yes, I've been participating in this too, and do some self-reflection, whether they cop to it in a group setting or not doesn't matter. Yep. Just being able to do that self-reflection and say, oh, yeah, you know, yesterday when I sniped at Andy and told him that he was taking too long to get the next client in the room, I was acting kind of shitty and I shouldn't have done that. Like the ability to have that self-reflection is more important to me right now in this moment as leader than them standing up and saying, I did it. I've been, you yes. know, and holding themselves accountable. I want them to hold themselves accountable in their actions. I don't care about accountability from a words perspective right now. I think that's so important because a lot of people really get hung up on the act of standing up and owning the behavior. And I just, I just don't. And, and, and the reason I, that I don't is because um, it takes it takes introspection and self-awareness to say, I may have behaved that way. I yeah. may have, I may have not responded at my best. And then it takes another level of that to go to the person and say, Hey, I did this and I'm sorry. And then it takes another level beyond that to stand up in front of the group and say, Hey, everyone, I made this mistake and I apologize. Yeah. The yep. truth is, if I only care about the future, which is what I'm telling you, like just focus on the future. If I only care about the future, I will take level one. Mm -hmm. And people say, but mm -hmm. you, but, but she should apologize to the other person or he should go and say, I'm sorry, I hurt your feelings. You know what he should? If he doesn't, I'm okay with that because we're going to fix the problem and it's not going to happen again. Yeah. And so I prioritize that. And some people will die on that hill. Some people will be like, I don't care if he realizes it quietly until he says it out loud to other people. It doesn't count. And yeah. I would say, I think that you're, uh, I think that the sword of justice is uh, blinding you right now from what is really a, a, uh, important in the future. So this is a very pragmatic view. And again, I love it if somebody will take responsibility and apologize. I love it if they'll stand up and say, hey, I did this. Uh, that is a mark of maturity and leadership for that person. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes we lead people who are not mature uh, and who are not leaders. And mm -hmm. that's, I think we're better off accepting <laughs> that and just getting what we need and going on to get past the problem. 
You also you also talked about accountability, which I think was is is really a good way to bring this up. You know, the most common problem I think that you and I hear about in accountability, and people don't ask it this way, but a lot of people really struggle with how to get started with mm-hmm. accountability and holding people mm-hmm. accountable. Because usually by the time they come to us, uh, things are off the rails. Yes. And they're like, people are behaving badly and we need to hold them accountable. Holding people accountable when yeah. you have not held them accountable in the past is, is hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it is hard. Um, what I say to people, which uh, what I say to people, which, which can be liberating or frustrating. Generally, what I say is I don't I think it's very, very challenging to hold people accountable if you have not told them that they are going to be held accountable. And so if there has been no accountability showing up and putting the hammer down on people who did not expect to be held accountable, bear with me when I say that seems a little bit unfair and it seems a little bit surprising and it tends to make people very resentful because they, their expectation was not that they were going to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're trying to hold them accountable and they don't want to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find that hard to do. Yep. And so the an- the answer for me is if you're at a place where people are not being held accountable, the first thing that you have to do is tell them you're going to be held accountable starting mm-hmm. right now. You know, yeah, <laughs> you, you have to give them a starting line. You have to be yes. like, all right, uh, this program is starting now and everything before this gets amnesty. Right. You know, uh, it, it, it gets it, you get a pardon, but we're starting now and it's going to be different. And so everyone heard you got a pardon. We're starting now and people are going to be held accountable. Well, and I think the hard part is when it comes to that level of accountability, one of the easiest mistakes we make is is that we might give them a starting line. And yet if we don't give them a starting line and outline the expectation and ensure that they understand the expectation, mm-hmm. we still are shooting ourselves in the foot <laughs> because yeah. that's that's one of the hardest parts as a as a leader. Um, and and I have certainly made this mistake um, in my most most recent practice. I am thinking right now about some stuff that was happening with the team, and we were really struggling with that. And when it came to accountability, I recognized okay. I've not been holding you guys accountable for some of these things we need to start. And um, if you don't really walk through what does that actually look like without using the past occurrences, and that's the hardest part, right? Is that everybody can think of examples when you point out a specific behavior, everybody can think of specific examples that have happened in the past, but that still that makes it even worse because you're telling them they're getting amnesty, but you keep bringing up things that have been happening in mm-hmm. the past. And so as a leader, you need to figure out how am I going to, how am I going to make this very clear and how am I going to make sure that they understand it? And I think one of the best um, tools that you can put in your toolbox is giving yourself a longer timeline than you think you're going to need, because I, you can't drop the hammer and have it start right now. You, yeah. You do need time to make sure that everybody understands it. You need time to test that understanding, whether it's having one-on-one conversations and getting them to verify to you that they understand it or demonstrating by their behavior. But you have to make sure that the whole team knows what the expectation is and how you're going to hold them accountable and then start getting them rowing forward. And the hard part about that is that usually when something like this has been occurring in a team environment, you're going to have people on the team who are super frustrated 
and are like, but I just want you to fix this. And they're looking to you as a leader to make that change happen. And so part of it is managing the expectations of the team around how quickly this change can happen. (laughs) Because if something has been going on in your practice for, for months or years, Mm -hmm. that doesn't change overnight. (laughs) It it doesn't, no matter how, how much I drop the hammer in a team meeting and say, okay, the past has been given amnesty starting today. This is the change that's going to happen. Still doesn't happen overnight. And you are going to have people on your team who are like, but you said this yesterday and you're not holding them accountable. And so you need to have a very clear road for what does that look like and how do I, how do I direct that, uh, that change? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Two, two pieces in that vein of holding people accountable. Number one, and again, this comes along with leading from the middle, which is a position I really like. This is how mm-hmm. I like to lead. Um, you got to hold yourself accountable. Yes. And you got to let your, you got to let your team hold you accountable. Yep. And people go, I don't like that. Of course you don't. <laughs> I, what, you, I have to be accountable? Yeah, that's kind of how it works. Uh, you yep. <laughs> you get to hold them accountable, but they also get to hold you accountable. And yeah. if you do that, then it really does feel like you're committed to this and we're all in it together. Um, but you do have to put yourself into that microscope too. It's amazing how many people I've seen over the years who uh, demand a positive culture while actively working to undermine said culture at the same time. (laughs) And it's like, you can't, you cannot threaten your staff if they say something negative about the clients while you actively say negative things about the clients. That just, it's not going to work. So so you have to put yourself out there um, for accountability as well. And then uh, I do see people sometimes go overboard in their enthusiasm where it's like, hey, guys, we have a culture of using bad language and the next person who does it is going to get written up. And I'm like, okay, if this is a (laughs) habit and it's how people communicate here and you're just coming down with the hammer on the first slip up, they're breaking a habit. And again, there's a balance here, right, of not like, I'm not going to make statements about changes that we're going to make and then not hold anybody accountable and just kind of like hope that it happens. At the same yeah. time, I do see people go zero to 100 real fast. Yes. And and that can be that can be demoralizing. It's like imagine if someone was teaching you a new card game and then if you made a mistake, they announced that you were the loser of the game. Right. You know, you would very quickly lose interest in this game and feel like it was unfair and it was kind of rigged. Sort of the same sort of the same thing here. We need to teach them the game and give them some time to acclimate. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to say anything when they do exactly what we said not to do. It just means I'm not going to try to throw the brook at them, shame them, you know, make them feel like this is a catastrophic failure. I'm going to say something, but it's not going to be a big deal because hey, we're all working on this. And it's something new that we're doing and it's going to take some time and we're all going to do our best. Mm -hmm. And that may sound warm and fuzzy and it is warm and fuzzy, but ultimately it really is how we try to bring culture, culture back around. Do you have any other ideas for how do we get into a headspace before we start to address this? Or do you want to take a short break before we dive into the actual questions of how do we talk about this with them? I think I think we're gonna unpack a, a couple more thoughts when we talk about what we're actually going to say. So let's okay. let's break here and then we'll come back and get into that. Sounds good. 
Hey everybody, it's Stephanie and I have to jump in here for one quick second and make sure that you know about a workshop that is coming up. You need to know about it, not because I am leading it, but because it is going to be awesome and I'm so looking forward to having your participation in the workshop. It is called Communication Foundations. It is happening on Sunday, November 7th from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, which is 1 to 3 p.m. Pacific. It is $99 for the public. If you are an Uncharted member, log in when you register and you get it for free. And um, we are going to be diving into the idea that we can find common ground with anyone, anywhere, at any time, whether the communication is personal or professional. It just takes a really strong foundation in communication. So we're going to talk about some fundamentals and then we're going to dive into a style of communication that when I learned about it early on in my vet med career, it was a game changer. And I'm super pumped to nerd out on this one with you guys. So if you are enjoying today's podcast, head on over to the website at unchartedvet.com forward slash events and check out the communication foundations class information, sign up. I would love to see you there. Now back to our regularly scheduled broadcast. All right. So we know we need to have a conversation. We know pretty much the whole team is involved to some degree. So we're feeling like having some conversation with the team as a whole is a, is a good place to start. Um, it also feels like it could be a giant rabbit hole that we might fall down. So how do we, (laughs) how do we keep ourselves out of trouble and, uh, still talk about this with the team? This is a fun exercise. This is one where when I own my own role in it, it gets a whole heck of a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And so I come together with the team and basically this is how, how we do anything with, with getting buy-in. One of the first things I want to do is, uh, is state the problem and just sort of say, why why are we talking about this? Yep. And and I'll say, guys, I'm, I'm concerned about how we talk about each other. And then I'm going to explain why I'm concerned about how we talk about each other. Mm-hmm. And your why is important. And maybe the why for you is, you know, I, I started this practice because I wanted to have a good place to come and work. And I wanted it to be a place where I felt respected and others felt respected. Or I wanted to be a place where I could work with my friends or whatever your reason is. Um, but it's important to sort of share that reason is why do you, um, why do you, why is this, why is this a problem? Mm-hmm. And, and then I want to give examples in that explanation of the problem. I want to give examples of the behaviors and I don't want to call people out and I'm yep. not trying to call them out. And if I can, I will a hundred percent lead with my own failings and say, I'll give you an example. Yesterday, Kayla said, something to me and I rolled my eyes at her and that's not who I am and I first of all I'm sorry Kayla that I did that and I don't like that I did that and I look around and I see a lot of those types of interactions happening in our practice and I I I don't like when people roll their eyes at each other I don't like when people use foul language. I don't like when people say sarcastic things about the pet owners. I think all those things are bad for us and they undermine who who we are and they make this just not a nice place to be. Mm-hmm. And so now I've, now I've said the problem. The step after that is I want to validate my people, right? I don't, I'm not trying to shame them. And a lot of people are going to say, uh, as they do whenever you bring up things like this, they'll say, but the clients, some of them are really (laughs) awful and people are really jerks. And 
I do not want this meeting to become about whether or not people are jerks. And I don't want to downplay the struggles of the team. It's hard to be super positive right now. And everybody's carrying a lot of stress. And I'm not ignoring what they're saying. And I'm not just doing some toxic positivity of everybody just needs to pretend to be happy. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to validate, hey, you guys work really hard. And we do a really stressful job. And sometimes people really are not nice. And I know we have challenging clients. And you know we have challenging clients. And so I'm not, you know, I want everybody to know that I, I get it and I get why we behave this way. And so I really want to validate them. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to say, I think that we can still move forward in a way that's positive. And I think that we can lift ourselves and each other back up. And I would like to make those changes as a team. And then I want to open the floor up because what I'm doing now is looking for buy-in. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say, well, let me just open. Do, do, do you guys agree that this is a problem or that mm-hmm. this is a reality? And now I'm looking for them to say, yeah, I've done that. I've rolled my eyes. I've been, mm-hmm. I've been snapping at people. I've been more negative than, than I could be. And now I'm just trying to consensus build. I really want the team to decide, yeah, we, we want to work in a happier place too. And so as much as I can lean into those guys, that's what I'm going to do. And so that that's how I hope to get this meeting started. Yeah. One of the things that I will, um, one of the tools that I'll use at that point, because I, I think as a whole and how we approach this language very much matters. And I think to your point, starting by admitting your own culpability really um, helps set the tone, both from an accountability perspective from a leadership perspective, but also just as a, um, as an icebreaker to say, Hey, I see this because I'm doing it too. It builds that commonality and your ending point is really important as well in terms of buy-in. And one of the things that I, um, like to do is to just ask the question, how, how, how does that feel to you guys? Is that resonating at all? Because I don't want to, for me, asking if they agree or disagree can be a scary thing because mm-hmm. if they all disagree, then you're sitting there in front of them going because they don't want no. It's hard to take that first step. Right. And so if you're talking to them and they're they're self-reflecting and they're feeling like, well, oh, crap. Yeah, I've been acting like that, but I'm I don't want to stand up in front of everybody and say I've been a total bitch for the last two weeks. Right. Like that's a hard place to be. And so thinking carefully about um, how we ask those questions and and remembering that the the words and the language matters. And so you're, to your point, the, the we statements that I have done this, um, using I statements in a positive way so that you build that commonality with your team and also using we as a whole so that nobody feels singled out is, is super, super key. And I love how you, um, how you laid that out. Well, I'll, I'll also say, you know, at this point, I've kind of laid out my reasons and now I'm asking them for input. And you're right. There is a chance that they're going to say things that I haven't anticipated or they're going to say, well, yeah, that does happen. But we uh, haven't gotten a lunch break in two weeks. Right. You know, and I'm like, Uh what? You You haven't got you. Why haven't you guys gotten a lunch break in two weeks? You know, like it's not unheard of for them to drop a bomb on me that I am completely unaware of. Yeah. So going into this talk as well, one of the nice things about keeping it casual and saying, this is how I'm feeling, this is what I'm saying, 
And, and maybe, and I'll tell you this, this is just a part of being human. Sometimes I'm feeling crappy and maybe I'm having a hard time. And I'll say to the team, guys, I feel like we're really negative. And they're all like, no, I think it's just you. Uh, <laughs> honestly, when I think about all the people having bad days, they're all you on different days. And, and I mean, that's, it's, it's that's true. a possibility. Mm -hmm. And maybe they don't see it that way. You know, maybe, maybe you have only seen, maybe this is not as big a thing as you think it is. That, that's definitely possible. And so yeah. entertaining that as a possibility when you start the conversation is fine. I want to go into this. I want to put down my reasoning. I'm going to tell them what I'm concerned about. I'm going to try to give them an example without throwing other people under the bus. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll just try to give specific examples of the of the types of behaviors that I am seeing that I don't like without tying people to them. And then ask them. And then I'm going to be comfortable going away from this if needed. If they mm -hmm. say, no, we don't agree. Or they say, well, we it's happening because we're staying three hours late every night and we're really tired. Um, then maybe a pep talk about, you know, not rolling their eyes is not, maybe that comes off as tone right. deaf when yep. they're going, oh, this is a thing that's happening. Or we're all very affected by this thing that's happening in our community. Um, I, I, I don't want to lock myself so far into a course of action that I listen to what they say and then ignore them and just sort of yes. ch charge on. Yes. Uh, you, I think we have to be comfortable having the conversation and listening to what they say and then saying, okay, I want to sit with this a little bit. Thank, guys, thanks for sharing your your input on this. I, and again, I no one's going to be upset about having a conversation about a happier, healthier, more friendly workplace. You know, everybody wants to work in a better place. And so if you ask them, how do you think it's going? This is what I'm concerned about. And they say, we don't agree with you. That's fine. My advice to you is take advantage of that. Take notes, ask them specific, specific questions. Tell yep. them if they're seeing these behaviors. Tell them what, you know, what they think, uh, where they think the perception is coming from. If you guys don't agree and I'm, you know, what am I missing here? What, what, am, what am I not seeing? Yeah. Ask them those questions and just be opening to sort, sort through this. The worst case scenario, which is 100% manageable, is that um, most people don't say anything and a couple of people cross their arms and say, nope, we like it this way. <laughs> I, I've never had that happen. That, you know, that, that yeah. seems comic book bad to me. Um, but if that happens and I go, okay, and I need to go away and, and think on this, and we may have to take a more direct approach. So what that would mean is uh, this is going to be a policy approach as opposed to a good old, you know, good old boy, come on in here. Let's all talk about this together. Mm -hmm. It's going to be more of a, all right, guys, we're we're instilling a policy to make sure that we have a, a happy work environment. And this is what it looks like. That's that's not my go-to. I'd much rather have it come from them. But I, I, I got to try to get it to come from them and, and just see where their head's at and see what they're feeling and see if they agree. And if they don't, I still have options. I, but I'm not going to die on this hill right here today. Well, and to your point, when if you let's say worst case scenario and you have someone who or multiple someone's who are sitting in the meeting and have their closed off body language and are clearly mm. like, nope, this is not a problem, then the best thing that I can do as leader to your point is to say, OK, I I just this is something that was really bothering me. I needed to have a, a chance to talk to you guys about it. Thank you for for, you know, talking about this with me. 
and walking away from the conversation and then being able to go one-on-one to those people mm-hmm. and have a follow-up conversation with them and say, you know, um, I was really noticing at the meeting that your body language seemed pretty, pretty upset. What I was reading in your body language was, was upset or frustration. You had your arms crossed, you, um, you know, your voice got, got raised. You were talking very quickly, giving them clear, concrete examples of what the body language or behavior was. I just wanted to touch base with you and see what, what was so, um, what made you feel like that? you know, and, and continue the conversation and try and break it down with them on a one-on-one level. Um, and this is where going back to what we were talking about before as a leader, this is when we head into conversations like this, this is where we have to set aside our, the, the (laughs) flaming sort of justice, because we can't fix this in necessarily one team meeting. Like in a perfect world, we would have a team meeting. We would talk about this. Everybody would be like, yeah, we've all been doing that. They would be embracing. They would have the self-reflection, the self-recognition and say, yes, we all can agree that this needs to stop. And here's what we're all going to do to solve this problem. Reality for most of us doesn't lie in that land. (laughs) It's probably not going to happen in one meeting and you're not going to be able to get people to change their behaviors overnight. And so I think this is where we have to be patient and we have to be willing to address it in a multifaceted way because one one conversation, one approach is probably not going to deliver the answer that we're really hoping for. Yeah. But you, you, you do have to see where your team is. I, I guess yeah. I, I, keep, I keep going to that. Oh, I that totally is. agree. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Totally agree with that. And and I think I think that um you know that's where choosing how you reply to that is very um very important and very strategic. And mm-hmm. and I think the word strategic sometimes when we talk about this bothers people because they feel like we're being sneaky or underhanded. But I I think it's just smart leadership to acknowledge that not everybody has the self-reflection skills. Not everybody's going to be able to process in the moment. Um, And we are going to, we should ask them for where they are and, and where their heads are at. And then we should be willing to do the work to figure out how do we continue to, to solve the the problem. Sure. I, I agree with that. I think whether you do this all in one meeting or whether you split it up and you do this when you come back, I think the next uh, phase is to uh, either ask for or lay down the changes yep. that we want to see. Like, what yep. is the program? And that, that's going to vary depending on what specific behaviors you're seeing. Uh, I'm a big fan of positive reinforcement. I like recognition programs for people who go the extra mile or who find the good in a bad situation. I've been talking to people recently um, in Uncharted because of some of the, some of the work that we're doing in there about programs where at the end of the day, the staff comes together and everyone names one good thing that mm-hmm. happened during the day. Mm-hmm. And that may sound lame. I, I don't think it is. I'll just tell you that's a big thing for me. And I beat the drum a lot that we have to hold the trophy, meaning, mm-hmm. you know, we have a stressful job. 
And negativity bias is real, which means we pay a lot more attention to the bad stuff than we do to the good stuff. Mm -hmm. People should be reminded to stop for a second and think back on their day and think about what was good and find the good in their day. <laughs> and so whether that is your team coming together and as a team coming up with three things that we're going to jot down in our little good day notebook and, and, you know, and pull out of the staff meeting or whether it's just everybody comes up with one good thing before they punch out and go home or, um, you know, whether it is some sort of a, uh, you know, swear jar type program uh, yeah. or reverse swear jar where people exhibiting great behavior get can get called out and celebrated by their teammates. There's a million little types of, of th programs like that that are easy to do. We're going to move towards those programs. Uh, we're going to restate what's in our handbook about conduct, um, uh, negativity towards clients, negativity towards staff. And, and ultimately, we're going to set the groundwork to hold people accountable, which I said, if, we're, if we haven't been doing that, it's time to get back on, get back on board. And and I'm glad that you brought that up, because I think for a lot of us, we, this is a, a step where we can really struggle, because for a lot of us, um, our handbooks might be a very vague place mm -hmm. and they or that or they may be missing information altogether. You know, to your point about do we have a policy in our handbook about how we interact and engage with clients and how we treat them, uh, you know, are we treating them with kindness, respect, those kind of things. For a lot of us, that's not clearly defined. And so this is an excellent place to start the team as a whole. And my best suggestion after having done this um, in, in multiple practices is to just start with some ground rules for how do we engage with each other and and yeah. whether you call them, you know, rules of, rules of engagement or, or our team agreements, uh, whatever name you want to put, that fits your your team and your culture, but having a set of rules for how you show up at work and how you all agree to work together absolutely is the foundation for building accountability within your team and your practice. And it comes from them. And so asking them, how do how do we want to how do we want to be? How do we want to work together? How do we want to talk to each other? How do we want to think about one another? Um, you know, you and I talk about this on every single podcast, assuming good intent. That's one of my foundational rules. If I'm on a team, I want to know that my teammates assume good intent about me. And that if I feel like someone is not assuming good intent about the way that I'm acting or things that I'm choosing to do, that I have the safety in the group to say, hey, I, I really didn't feel like you had my back here. I, I felt like you were maybe assuming that I was doing something intentionally or wrongly having those kind of foundational rules is so, so important. And it's a really easy way to kind of ease your team into brainstorming on the bigger things, especially like if they're harping on clients, starting with the team as a whole and starting from a place of positivity and working your way out to the areas that are trouble spots makes this a lot easier to facilitate. Yeah, you can't hold people accountable for things that are not clearly communicated to them. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's hard with culture is it's often hard to communicate when someone is being crappy. Right. Like, hey, I'm writing up your I'm writing you up for being crappy. I'm like, well, I, was, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't crappy. I just a lot of it is I wasn't crappy. I was just honest. Yeah. And it needs to be ready for that. And uh, what I want to be able to do is say the definition of crappy is uh, in our practices, this thing. And I, I would never actually use the word crappy, but I would like to be able to say <laughs> You know, this is the thing that that was done. And again, um, it's hard. Like 
code of conduct is kind of like writing dress codes. And if you've never written a dress code, let me tell you, it's awful. It is a terrible, horrible job that is nearly impossible. It's just, just sit down and do it. Just be, try to be like, here's our dress code and see what happens because there, there is no, it, it really is kind of one of those, it's hard to explain, but you know it when you see it sort of things. Uh, that's, that's, that's good behavior. Like that's, that's positive culture as well. That, that is team communication as well. Treating people with respect, those sorts of things. So, um, we have to try to establish those ground rules as much as possible so that we can hold people accountable and so that we can treat people fairly, but then also encourage them in, in the right direction. Totally. I, I think to your point about um, rewarding positive behavior, you know, you you talk a lot about um, how our thoughts and our actions and our words matter. And I think that that is getting the team to buy into that mind frame here is really, really important. And I think that that's a piece of rewarding the positive intentions and calling it out when people are doing, doing good things because our, our words and our thoughts do matter. And so I, I think for me that this comes at the end, but it's probably like the most important part for how I would approach this as a leader is that we have to assume good intent and we have to be thinking that our words the way that we interact with each other and the way that we show up really does matter. Yeah, one of one of my really go-to things, especially right now as, um, I think this is specific to this sort of time in history where I feel like people are really down for, for very understandable reasons and there's a lot of frustration, there's a lot of fatigue and, and just chronic stress and tiredness. There's a quote that, that's my favorite and it's uh, from Lao Tzu and it says, um, watch your thoughts, they become your words, watch your words, they become your character, or they become your actions, watch your actions, they become your habits, watch your habits, they become your character, watch your character, it becomes your destiny. And I I think that there's a lot of truth to that. And so communicating that to the team and being like, hey guys, the way that we think about things and the way that we talk to each other, it, it really does matter. Uh, it matters for patient care, it matters for our job satisfaction. It matters for the client experiences that we create. It matters for how we're seen in our community. And it matters for the amount of good that we're able to do in the world. And I don't think people always believe that at first, but I think a lot of us over time do come to believe it. I I, I personally think it's true. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And I think that's how that ties so much to the idea of, shifting baseline too, because if we don't watch it, if we cut a corner here, if we let something go once, it starts with an eye roll Mm -hmm. and then it moves to, you know, a a passive aggressive or snarky comment when I think that they're not listening or they're not in earshot, like that it happens so slowly, but, but it does, the beginning matters. And ultimately that directly impacts the the end and i think that that's so important to to remember and to create a culture where the team thinks that same way is the ultimate uh the ultimate jedi mind trick i think yeah if if you believe that through your behavior you and the way you treat the people you work with you could you could make your practice a crappier place to be if you Mm -hmm. believe that then you have to believe the converse that you could make your practice a better place to be through your behavior and the way that you treat people. It's sort of like, it's easy. I think most of us would immediately say, oh yeah, 
if I wanted to make my uh, my colleagues miserable, I could absolutely do it. Well, if that's true, then the flip is also true, which means that you could you could lift them up as well. You know, like we all have that power. We all have that ability to make that impact on the people around us. Totally. And so, yeah, I just um, and again, I, I think most I think most people get it. I, I think I think for a lot of us, I think one of the hard things about vet medicine in general, and again, this goes back to validating and having empathy with the team, which is another reason I, I'm always pretty comfortable with these conversations. It's easy to feel like you don't have any control. You know, it's easy to feel like there's there's nothing you, that you can do. It's easy to feel like um, like the clients sometimes are going to do what they're going to do or they're going to be rude. Or, or, you know, we all see cases where we think these pet owners are doing something they should not be doing uh you know like yeah they they should but none of this is a good idea and now i'm roped into it and it's easy to feel like things like that are out of your control and so i think that sometimes it's almost like inter cat aggression you know what i mean where one cat gets excluded from the litter box so it beats up the small cat that has nothing to do with what's going on i I think that i think that's us in in a lot of ways where we have these frustrations and we can't lash out at the unfairness of life and we can't at, lash out at the pet owners. And so we, we beat up each other. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think that that is, again, I, humans are wonderfully simple animals. I, I, we've all seen those behaviors in other animals. I, th- I think that happens in us as well. And so if you can just get people to see what's going on, a lot of times they go, oh, yeah, this is not good. Let's change this behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh, man, this was this is a good one. I hope that it had some uh, helpful moments and some conversation for some of our friends who were sitting here going, wow, they're really talking about my practice. Yeah. <laughs> this one. <laughs> yeah. You, you guys can do this and, and always know um, these, this is a constant battle. You know, there, there's always, I mean, uh, cl- uh, culture is like motivation. You know, you have to sort of reapply it and refine it again and again. And, and, and there's all, it always drifts and teams always change and you can have a perfect culture. And three or four years later, you look around, and you go, wow, who are these people and how did we get here? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that's common. I, yeah. my, I still believe just in my core, I believe that people want to have pleasant places to work where yeah. they are treated with respect and they are treated with kindness and understanding. And in my experience, if I go to teams and I say, hey, we all want to be treated with kindness and respect and we all want to have a pleasant place to work, you know? Um, and in order to make that happen, there's no other way except for you to treat others with kindness and respect and for you yep. to be pleasant and supportive. And that's, that's it. We can't control anyone but ourselves, but if we can all lean into making that happen, we can make that happen. And again, I just, there's not a lot of people out there who are like, Nope, I like misery and pain. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm going to do. Um, that that said, there are individual people who, for a variety of reasons, are 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 not able to do that. You know, mm-hmm. they themselves um, have have just become angry or deeper deeply angry or just negative. Um, it is true that in some of these cases, and this is sort of what, where we'll end it is. It is true that in some of these cases, there are people who will just poison the culture again mm-hmm. and again and again. Yeah. We need to work with the team and we need to set expectations. We need to hold people accountable. But the ultimate path in holding people accountable is uh, we're going to manage and coach those people who are struggling to get on board. And ultimately, those people may have to be liberated 
from the practice. And the, and the last thing that I'll say is when you come down to the battle where you say, um, I want to have a positive culture and the team wants to have a positive culture, but my lead technician who is amazing in her skills and amazing with the clients, but she is toxic to our practice. At some point you may have to pick your poison and your choices are, I want, I'm going to work in a practice where people treat each other badly and there's crying and there's fighting and there's disrespect and I'm going to, and I'm going to work there for the foreseeable future or uh, we're going to work shorthanded without our lead technician who was really good at her job because I'm not willing to work in a practice that is guaranteed to be uh, unpleasant every single day. And, uh, you know, ultimately we, we make that choice and there's a lot of shades of gray and nuance. But for me, I will tell you, uh, with all the practices that we, you and I have worked with and all the vets uh, and owners and managers that you and I have worked with, I have never had someone let a person they thought was toxic go and then come back and say that they regretted yeah. doing that. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how many people who have had their back against the wall and said, we are so shorthanded. We cannot work without this person. Uh, I cannot tell you how many of those people have let that toxic person go and come back later on and say, man, that was really hard. I'm so glad that we did it. Yeah. Oh, man, this was this was a good one. Um, uh, If you guys have enjoyed uh, this episode and you have enjoyed uh, nerding out on communication, that uh, the kind of communication that Andy and I were talking about today, I am super excited because uh, we have a a workshop coming up that is open to the public on November 7th. I am going to be doing a communications foundations uh, class. We're going to be talking about some of the stuff that we talked about in this episode today. And um, really, I'm going to share with you guys kind of the foundation that I learned um, about communication and how to change the way that we communicate with our team so that it comes from a place of kindness and compassion and that we extend the same kindness and compassion that we give day in and day out to our patients, to our team and uh, all of the other human beings in our lives. This uh, type of communication style was game changer for me as a person. I learned it in practice and I'm super geeked out to uh, to share it with you guys. So there is a link in the show notes if you're interested um, definitely come come hang out with us because we're gonna we're gonna talk about this stuff in detail. Oh, also, so that's exciting. Also, when this episode comes out, if you want to grab your spot in the Uncharted Culture Conference, you'll still be able to do that. It's October twenty first through the twenty third. It's three days. Yeah. It's virtual, so you can watch from wherever. It is all about culture, uh, growing your culture protecting your culture, evolving your culture. There's a lot of people who are like, we have a great culture. We focus on our culture all the time. Uh, this is a next level experience for those practices. Yeah. So anyway, check out the culture conference. There's a link for that in the show notes as well. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. Thanks, guys. See you later. Well, gang, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. And as always, this was so fun to dive into the mailbag and answer this question. And I would really love to see more things like this come through the mailbag. If there is something that you would love to have us talk about on the podcast or a question that you are hoping that we might be able to help with, feel free to reach out and send us a message. You can always find the mailbag at the website. The address is unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag, or you can email us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you again next time.